This is Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Carr steps back, lobs the throw, Waller in the end zone, feet down, touchdown! He lobbed it up near sideline, Waller went up and got it. Crosby with pressure, he gets away from the condor, throws it downfield, intercepted! Amik Robertson trailing in coverage, stepped in front of Hollywood Brown, he steps out of bounds, but a turnover and a takeaway for the Raiders. Live from the underground lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Got a text from Raider Chavez out the 916. He said, man, Q, I'm out here working, delivering packages for UPS, and I still can't shake the game off from yesterday. This one will sting for a few more days. I hate saying this in week three, but it's definitely a must-win game Sunday. We can't go 0-3 in the AFC. Again, that's from Raider Chavez, 916. You can keep those texts coming at 69187, keyword R&R. Right now, we're going to go out to the phone lines, talk to our good friend Jesse Merrick from News3LV on Twitter at JesseNews3LV. And, Jesse, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, my man. I appreciate you. I want to talk all things Las Vegas Aces as they're celebrating winning the championship, but I got to start off with the text that we got from Raiders Chavez talking about the the loss, the Raiders' loss to the Cardinals still stings. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the way that the Raiders collapsed, especially in that second half? Yeah, hey, Q, appreciate you guys having me on. And that thing was wild. Uh, you know, I was caught up in the Aces game, so I didn't get to catch a ton of the, the Raiders game, but I was kind of following it here and there. And uh thought that they were up big, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the Aces game ends. We're running around grabbing interviews and everything, and I'm going through one of the hallways of the stadium, and I see there an OT. And it was right before Renfro fumbled, and they took it to the house and lost the game. And I, I was standing there with a handful of other people from Vegas, and everyone was just shook. Yep. Like, it was one of those things where everyone was like, wait, did that really just happen? Like, what, what the heck's going on here? You know, so I can imagine for Raider Nation, you know, you're feeling good about yourself, you know, dominating that game, really. And then all of a sudden, everything that transpired to take it to OT, and then the way it ended in overtime, I mean, that's definitely a hard one to shake. Um, you know, you hope, uh, look, it's week two. So, you know, it's not like this is something late in the year. You know, you hope this is something that they can shake off and move forward from, uh, you know, as they hit the road for the Titans. But definitely one that, you know, you got to imagine the players were sitting there afterwards in the locker room just wondering, like, how the heck could we allow this to happen? And I'd imagine those are the harder ones to get over for sure. Yeah, I think so as well. And it just, I was there in the press box. I was there with your, your partner, Brian Salmon, and we just kind of were looking at each other like, what the hell just happened, right? I mean, just, so yeah. I, I was interested to see what you're feeling from being a, a far way away, what it was like. I mean, it was just incredible. But uh, as I mentioned, man, got you, got you on, wanted to really talk some LV Aces and celebrated what was uh, a championship that they were able to achieve on, on Sunday, man, what was it like? I know that they're on the road, so you're not going to have that home crowd feel, but what was it like to be there and see the Aces win that championship on Sunday? Yeah, it was incredible, man. You know, I've been lucky enough to cover a handful of championships in my, my career thus far, and each and every one is so different and still brings about, like, you know, the, those emotions where you see these athletes that have worked so hard uh, in order to get there, and I never take those moments for granted. And, and just seeing them, you know, the raw emotion, you know, there was a moment at one point uh, back in the locker room uh, when Asia was talking to Mark Davis, and she just said, hey, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for believing in us and investing in us. And, uh, you know, it was just, you know, such a pure moment. You know, seeing moments like that, you know, seeing Chelsea Gray grab Raquana Williams, you know, after the game, Chelsea told me that she talked to Raquana Williams and said, hey, you know, we're both free agents. Let's go to Vegas. Let's win a championship. And she delivered on that one. You know, uh, hearing them both talk about that and seeing the emotion when they're hugging each other. Jerrica Hamby in tears, you know, grabbing her teammates. And just, like, 
how ecstatic everyone was once the clock is winding down, running out around the field, you know, like almost like a chicken with their head cut off, not knowing who to <laughs> hug and celebrate with and all that. Like, it's just those moments are incredible. And being there was really cool. The one thing I do got to say is I got to tip the cap to the fans in Connecticut. You know, we all know UConn women's basketball is huge out there. They didn't bounce as soon as this thing was over. Like, they stayed. They wanted to be a part of that ceremony and wow. help honor the Aces and the WNBA. To me, that was something that spoke volumes about that and really enhanced the atmosphere of that because it wasn't some empty arena. You know, you still had them clapping and cheering for the Aces, along with the Aces fans that were there, which there were a handful of them. But just overall, I mean, an incredible night. Uh, one that I'm still recovering from, not because I had any drinks or anything, because it was a late <laughs> night, but I'm sure the women on this basketball team are either getting some sort of shut-eye or probably still partying. I don't know, but it, it was a wild night for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we're talking with Jesse Merrick from News 3LV right here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And, yeah, I mean, Coach Hammond in her first year is able to help deliver a championship for Las Vegas and for the Las Vegas Aces and reward Mark Davis, the owner, for his belief in her when he went and hired her and gave her the big contract and said, hey, you do what you do. Here's the, the players that you need. Go get it done. And she was able to get it done. What did you think of the just the coaching job that Coach Hammond did throughout the course of the year? Man, it's incredible. Like, there is no other way to put this one. When you look at what Becky Hammond did in her first year, this is a team that was ranked uh, either fourth or fifth in the preseason rankings, you know, getting some love, but not the love that they probably should have gotten from a team that had advanced to the semifinals twice uh, and also the finals, you know, in previous years with essentially the same roster. She comes in, not only does she win, uh, you know, WNBA Coach of the Year, she's all-star head coach, got the number one overall record in this one, you know, goes and wins the Commissioner's Cup, then wins the WNBA Championship, first one in the franchise's history. And, and the way that she did it is I think the thing that people – like, yeah, we all see the crazy numbers that they put up, but I don't think people realize, like, under Bill Lambeer, this team played almost exactly opposite in how they played under Becky Hammond. I mean, they started running and gunning and shooting it. If you look at the numbers, over the course of the years that Bill Lambeer was coaching this team, they were at the bottom of the league in three-point shooting. Yeah. And then Becky takes over, and they are top in the league in that category and letting it rip nonstop. She's encouraging everyone to shoot, including Asia Wilson, who showed that she's got some range as well. So, for me, that's just so impressive to come in and, and do it in year one. I mean, we all know how hard it is when a new coaching staff comes in in any sport, you know, trying to acclimate to it and, and get on the same page. And this team, this coaching staff managed to do that and do it at a high level against a Connecticut team that made life tough on them. Like, let's be real, this series was so physical. It was, and Becky even noted one time after the game that it was kind of like a football game out there. And, and so they were playing Connecticut's brand of football, but the Aces managed to be able to – kind of turn the physicality up and match their physical uh, play down low. against the team that they were, you know, overmatched physically against height-wise, size-wise, wherever you want to make it in that one, and they managed to pull it out while not shooting incredibly well. To me, that is so impressive, and that's a, that just shows with Becky, one, letting her players play, but also putting them in the right position to do so because they had to make a lot of adjustments throughout this series uh, to some of the really good moves that Connecticut made to try and pull them down. You mentioned that it was almost like a football game with the the physicality that Connecticut played with, and I know that the margin of the win was only seventy eight to seventy one, their seven point victory. But what did you see in the game that really led to the Aces being able to come away with it? Yeah, well, look, I mean, one of the big things was so like throughout the series, Connecticut was using their length. They started blitzing uh, the Aces anytime you know either Chelsea or Kelsey had the ball, and uh, you know especially with uh, Dewana Bonner being part of that uh, double team there, her length really made life difficult on Chelsea Gray in game three. Um, and so the adjustment to that, 
surprisingly enough, was to use a lot of their guards as screeners, specifically someone like Kelsey Plum, who, if you guys have watched them, like, she's not a big player at all. Mm -hmm. She plays about, you know, five feet taller than she actually is, though, and was in there, you know, laying out screens in order to open things up for the rest of the team and the offense and hit some big shots of her own down the stretch as well. But that was a huge adjustment by them to kind of involve her, you know, and show off her, her that portion of her game and screening and whatnot to create for her teammates to open things up to get the ball moving because so many times it got stuck in game three. So, to me, that was something that was really cool to see that it worked. But not only that, like someone like Kelsey Plum, who, you know, doesn't have the size, but was still going in there banging with a lot of these people and showing look like she's just someone that's a workout warrior, but showed she's got the toughness to do it as well to back up, you know, all the uh, the conditioning that she's got because uh, she's probably one of, if not the best athletes you're going to find out there in the WNBA uh, and managed to do it in that physical part of the game. That, to me, you know, spoke volumes to her just kind of laying out and selling out for her team. And no matter what she was asked to do, and this is someone that's, you know, a lot of times you know, known as a pure scorer. So doing it that way was really cool to see. Something else that I want to ask you about, you mentioned Bill Lambeer and how the team has basically changed their entire style, f- focusing more on shooting the three-point shot. But what does it mean to, for this Aces organization that he was on the court after the team won? I mean, essentially they brought in, excuse me, Becky Hammond to replace him, but he's still a part of the franchise, and he even got an acknowledgement from Becky Hammond about how well the roster that he put together was. And was he also in the locker room for that postgame celebration? Yeah, he was, and it was cool to see him in there with the team as well. Um, you know, uh, Bill's funny because he, he hates doing media stuff, and so anytime he sees us, he always kind of tries to, like, run away. And uh, when we were in the locker room, you know, we, he and I just started talking a little bit. And I was like, don't worry, man. I'm going to let you do your thing, let you celebrate. And you could just tell, you know, with him how excited he was to be in there with his team and how happy he was, you know, for all the girls in there and what they had done to kind of continue what he had started uh, and finish the job. You know, all of them so appreciative for him. Like, don't get it twisted. They all love playing for Becky Hammond, but they appreciate Bill just as much, you know, for what he did for them. Uh, if you think about it, you know, for the most part, this is a young team, especially, you know, uh, some of the stars, whether it's Asia, Jackie, um, you know, Kelsey Plum, you know, a lot of them, you know, uh, Bill Lambeer gave them their first shot in the WNBA. He took a chance on them, you know, and continued to build the roster around them. Uh, and so they all, you know, appreciate him for what he's done for them and, and, and the framework that he laid. And again, as you noted, Becky, give him the shout out as well. You know, she understands that he played a huge role in this and he was still, uh, very visible anytime that he'd come to visit, always talking to the team, you know, hanging out with them, chatting with them, um, you know, and, and it was really cool to see them also kind of give kudos to him uh, for helping do that, uh, you know, and then just, again, the, the thankfulness from him to see, he didn't want to leave, you know, this team, this program in the hands of anybody else. You know, he had a big part, a big hand in bringing Becky to the Aces. So for him, it was like leaving in his good hands to where they can continue what he built, you know, to begin with there. And so I think for him it was that moment of pride knowing, hey, I started this, but they finished the job because we picked the right person to replace me. Talking right now with Jesse Merrick from News 3 LV here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as the championship goes, the LV Aces bring the trophy back. They bring the MVP back with Chelsea Gray. Uh, they're, they're excited. They got the parade going on tomorrow. What does this championship mean for Las Vegas? Man, you know, it's the first major pro pro sports championship out here in Vegas. Like, it's it's one of the things where I think if some people don't understand the significance, like, you really got to sit back and realize that, you know, the, the relationship that this town has had with sports and a lot of different major leagues, uh, you know, a lot of people probably never thought we would see a moment like this, you know? And now to see it with, with a team in a league like this, it's just incredible uh, to see it kind of like finally come to form here 
Um, you know, and this is one where I think the city's really going to wrap their arms around this one. You know, uh, flying back, there were a handful of Aces fans on the plane, and you could just see the smiles and how important it was for them to be able to be there for this, this moment in history. Um, you know, it does suck that it was on the road and it wasn't out near so that they could share this with, you know, everyone at the house because we know how crazy that atmosphere is down there. But I'd imagine they're going to come out in droves, you know, on this one on third, on Tuesday night. I'm so glad they're doing it at night, you know, to allow people to get off of work early and come down and show their support for this team. And, you know, again, what better backdrop than the strip, you know, for <laughs> something like this? You know, it's going to be cool. And that was one thing is last night, even Asia, I'm sure everybody saw some of the uh, post-game press conferences and whatnot. Uh, you know, talking about how big a deal this is and how she's calling everybody out, you know, whether it's yeah. UFC fighters, the Raiders, you know, the governor, everybody. She wants everyone to come out. Uh, they got a real thing uh, calling out Usher E40 trying to get them there, too. It was pretty great. Um, you know, so this is this is a big deal. And I, I think the city realizes that uh, it needs to come out and show their support as well, you know, just to, to show, hey, look, this is our team, the first big-time league, the first big-time professional team to get it done, and, you know, the first of hopefully many as well. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Hopefully it's not the last. Hopefully they continue to, to get championships coming into the city of Las Vegas. It's just going to help continue to grow this market as more than just gambling, more than just partying. It's also about the sports mecca that it's creating. And it, I do say that sports mecca, it is on the way. It's brewing. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Jesse, final question for you. Uh, you mentioned how they won on the road. That's something that they were really good at throughout the course of the year is winning on the road. They closed out Seattle on the road they close out this championship on the road what is it about the aces that made them such a good team on the road man you know honestly i think it is as crazy as it is you know they've got the mvp on their team and asia wilson but i think it's the finals mvp that really is the biggest reason for something like that and chelsea gray uh you know i talked to coach becky afterwards and was asking her about chelsea you know she was incredible in this playoff run uh, i don't know what her, her final shooting percentage was but leading into uh i believe it was game three uh, she'd been shooting 60.5% from the field, just blistering hot. It's unreal. Uh, and she's someone that takes over late in games. And I talked to Becky, and Becky told me, I'm her assistant coach. <laughs> you know, She's <laughs> like, I've been telling everybody that all year. She just kind of hands the keys over to her late in the game and lets her do her thing. You know, I remember last year uh, Bill Lambeer saying the team didn't have that killer instinct. And I remember disagreeing wholeheartedly with that statement purely because of Chelsea Gray. She, to me, is that savage, that dog, that killer on this team. And I think she showed that, especially through the playoffs, but also throughout the entire season, uh, that the, the weight was placed on her shoulder late in games, and she was able to get it done. Uh, and I think what she has done was overlooked by a lot of people. I mean, shoot, she didn't even make it to the – she wasn't even an all-star, right. you know, which is crazy to me. <laughs> and uh, I think it was the biggest ball don't lie with what she did in the playoffs, uh, showing them that she should have been uh, an all-star and everything else that comes along with that. But, uh, yeah, to me, Chelsea Gray is reason number one as to why they would be able to be so successful in enemy territory. There it go. Good stuff, Jesse. We definitely appreciate you, man. I'm glad you uh, were able to go out there and enjoy that and, and be able to cover that championship and uh, be able to talk about it with us today. So uh, what do you got coming out on News 3 LV? What you, what you working on that we need to know about? Man, it all starts with the parade tomorrow, 530. Uh, we're still hammering all of the details, but I believe we're going to have a show uh, on the whole parade that we're going to be doing uh, possibly an hour-long show at 5 o'clock starting on uh, the CW. Nice. Uh, not only are we do three, but we also own the CW as well, so we'll have a show there, uh, you know, following the parade, you know, catching up with the players, the fans, just showing the entire team down there. So for whatever reason you can't get down there, tune in to us or just set your DVR and watch it again because it's going to be a wild ride. We're excited for that one. 
Absolutely. Well, great job, man. We definitely appreciate you. Thanks for giving us some time this afternoon. Of course, man. Appreciate you guys. You have a good one. All right, there he goes. Jesse Merrick, News 3 LV, covering all things Aces. Was Johnny on the spot? He was there uh, to see the whole thing go down, and we definitely appreciate him for joining us and giving us a few minutes of his time. Let's uh, hook some more winning up. Why don't we do that? Why don't we give some more things out? We already hooked up the uh, Ultimate Raider hookup. We got my man Scott in to win the two tickets to the Raider game versus the Broncos on October 2nd. We already got him in to win the two field club passes and the autographed Raider jersey. How about... 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest. How about that? We got tickets to that. It's a, uh, a four-day festival, September 29th through October 2nd at the Orleans. Uh, we're going to get you hooked up with a pair of tickets to that and qualify for a six-pack of VIP tickets. Hit us up right now, 702-365-9200. Again, call number nine is what I'm looking for on Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Monday Night Football Game 1 is officially on between the Titans and the Buffalo Bills. It's tied it up at zero right now, but Josh Allen and the Bills are looking to drive on their opening possession. And I'll tell you right now, and this is not a shot at DeMon, who's our resident Titans fan, I'm hoping like no other that Buffalo wins this game. I really am. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that Tennessee goes into the game next week against the Raiders with no wins under their, uh, in their win column. I mean, it's as simple as that. I think it'd be a bad idea if all of a sudden the Tennessee Titans have a win under their belt and they, they're starting to get used to winning, and then the Raiders have to go in there and try to try to find a way to win. I, I just don't think that's a good idea. So I'm definitely hoping that Buffalo finds a way to win this game, and they're a really good team. But uh, Tennessee at 0-2 and the Raiders at 0-2, that'd be okay. That, that'd be a little bit better than, you know, the alternative. And I know that doesn't make DeMond happy, but there's strategy involved here, DeMond. I'm not just, like I said, I'm not just uh, scatter shooting. Not just throwing something against the wall, hoping it's sticking. I mean, this is just this is just my feeling. So, I know I know for you it might be a little, you might be a little, uh, what are you jaded, a little split, or what are you? You torn? What's the situation? Oh, I'm not torn. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, Q. <laughs> he said, "Oh, I'm not torn at all." <laughs> for the Raider fans, I know that this. I looked at the schedule, but for me to, I said ten wins. I still think this team could go zero and three, rally off five in a row. Whoa. Okay, no, then you would have that. You'd have the Chiefs in there. I do have them losing at the Chiefs. Basically, I have this team. They could be 7-4. and four. You know, if they win enough games, I'm not saying it's impossible. 7-4, and four, so what do you mean? So, excuse me, I'm not looking at the schedule. 7-4 and four would only be 11 games. What are they going to do with the rest of the, uh, the schedule? Okay, here we go with the rest of the schedule. Let's say if they were to lose to the Titans this okay. Sunday. That's 0-3. Okay. And, yeah, I know 0-3 looks rough. Yes. But then you got Nathaniel Hackett who can't coach his way out of a paper bag. He's got to win, though. He's got to win. He's got to win. But I think that they're going to beat the Broncos. And then the Chiefs, I do already had that when we did our predictions. The Chiefs, I have that being a loss. So it's one and four, and that looks a little shaky. That's not a little shaky. That's a lot shaky, especially (laughs) going into the bye week. But then you got the bye. And then I think the schedule gets a little bit easier. I mean, I know it's the NFL, but you got the Texans, the Saints, the Jaguars, and the Colts. And okay. I think, hey, man, what's that? That's that's four in a row. And then the Broncos again and the Seahawks, they could easily win six in a row. Okay. Okay. All right. And that would only give them seven wins. So what about the rest of the season? We're back here at this seven-win thing. I'm what about no, the rest of the I'm season? Just, I'm just saying for people that's like, oh, if they go 0-3, it's like doom and gloom. I'm just, I'm just trying to uplift the Raider fans out there. Okay, so that what, win, that what would you do with the rest of the season? 
I'm just saying they had seven and four at that point. They got a good shot. I mean, then you got the Chargers after so that. So what would you do with the rest of the damn season? <laughs> what do you want me to say? I don't know. I what want you, you to dramatic. tell me what the rest of the season looks like if they're sitting at seven and four. I'm just saying. I'm Q. I can't look that far into the future. Oh I'm my. just saying that they got a good shot at that point. Oh my Jesus! Oh my Jesus! And I mean that in the best respectful way. John and Callie, let's hear from you. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. What up? What up, Q? Chill it, man. Oh, man, dude, that, that was a rough game, but, you know, there's only two games in. Yep. Uh, hopefully Carr figures it out and um, starts making making some changes at the line of scrimmage because uh, whatever they call him, whatever they're putting in his head, so it ain't working. Um, my only other thing is uh, we need to go on and send uh, Chandler Jones to the fluff and fold because his ass is washed. He's done. Let's uh, let's get rid of him. Um, call up Sue. We, know, we, we need some defense. We need some pressure for Max. We need to help him out. Yep. And, you know, after year nine, Carr got to figure it out. So that's pretty much all I got, man. Hey, good stuff, John, representing Cali. I appreciate the call. And, yeah, hey, could someone uh, call up Chandler Jones and ask him where he's been? Does someone have a milk carton around here? Because right now he's on the back of a milk carton. And Josh McDaniel said earlier that they, had, they were pressur- pressuring uh, Kyle Murray a little bit different because of what he's uh, able to do. But the proof is always in the pudding, man. You want to see results. And, and it's only two games, so I don't want to you know, sound overly dramatic. But there's questions, man. There's questions. Is, is Chandler Jones? And there was questions before the season started. We had multiple people hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and say, hey, man, only questionable move so far this season is, is Chandler Jones better than Unique Ngakwe? You know, is he a better addition than what Unique Ngakwe would have been in year two? And I, I don't have the answer to that. Because we have to wait and see. Unique was the old regime's guy. Chandler Jones is this 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 regime's guy, and a guy that they felt fit better into the defense than Unique and Gakwe did. So so far, Unique has no sacks on the season. So I guess there's that. But he has a few pressures, a couple tackles, but no sacks yet. He has a tackle for loss. And I have to admit, I haven't been watching Indianapolis Colts games, so I couldn't tell you if he's had any dominant plays or anything. But there's that. Uh, ABA Ivan Davis, you're up next. What's on your mind, brother? Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Uh, I took this. I, I, I took this one pretty hard. It felt like a playoff loss or something. To sit there in front of the Cowboy fans and watch them pick that ball up and run it back for a touchdown, the big Kool-Aid smile on his face. I'm not. I don't know. I couldn't take that. I mean, so, I mean, I don't see the world ending, but I guess if you had to look at this on the bright side, we lost two games. We should have won. Right. Okay. And, and, and I had to listen to uh, my man on, he comes on 11 o'clock. I can, Bill Mouth. I mean, dude, that game made a whole hour segment on trash in the rate of him laughing his tail off. A whole hour I had to listen to Sound like you're in a wind tunnel right now, my man. <laughs> Sound like you're in a wind tunnel. I, I give. There you go. Go ahead. Oh no, it's no, it's good. And so, uh, just a long story short, I'm sure you got other calls. Uh, what did I say you had to do in order to stop Kyler Murray? Remember that conversation? We you said you said he had accuracy. I said you have to stop his feet. Right. You have to stop this. They did that in the first half, but in the second half, I'm looking at the rotation. There's a fundamental technique that you use on, uh, on a player like that. When you force him to one side, the 
safety's job is to skate, skate, right. skate, skate. If he busts the one side, he's not going across the middle or, or back to the other side. That's an impossible throw, and it's, it's going to be a loop, what I call a loopy throw that, that should be picked if everybody's in position. So you look, your first move is probably look, okay, what routes are being ran in that area, and you take those away. Okay, the linebackers, everybody come down at an angle. Outside containment comes in and flushes Murray back to the inside. Everybody else is coming down. You move, we call it one gap. You, you hit that gap 45. You hit that gap 45. That way, if he rolls back to the other side, there, there's people sitting there. Okay, and then, and then you go get it. Okay, and so, you, I mean, and, and that way you let... Uh, with my man that missed that sack, I can't think of his name right now. I'm so upset. Uh, 98. Okay, Crosby. Uh, yeah, Crosby. I'm sorry. He hit that. That, that you can that. Um, you can tell probably go 60 because we got coverage in every gap. That's how you have to attack somebody. They did that perfectly in the first half. My man that got the uh, the interception. That's what he did. He rolled to one side, skate, skate, skate. He saw the receiver that was in that area, backed up, boom, interception. He couldn't take off. He'd been hunted down. Maybe he would have got some yards, but he wouldn't have got enough for the first down, which is why he threw the ball. That's how you cover somebody. Like, we just, for whatever reason, we stayed at those. Even the, even the announcer said, he said blitz. <laughs> and when you blitz, okay, same concept. Everybody at that point, everybody stays in their gap. Okay. And, and let him dance. But you, but you go get him. Keep taking steps. But, but as soon as he... But as soon as he moves, tap, tap. It's, it's a drill. Remember the tap, the, the tap drill? Yep. That's what you do with shaking people like that. Make him make some kind of commitment. But meanwhile, one person continues to hunt, and you go get him. And make him throw the ball up. Now, he might be accurate, but he has to set his feet first. And what you want him to do is to throw on the run. If you can do that, tip your hat to him. Okay. Right. But, make, but keep him running. But thank you. I got way too much to say. You got the show to do. <laughs> Appreciate you, my man. Appreciate you. That's ABA Ivan Davis right there, who uh, sounded like he was doing a show himself. And, uh, I, hey, man, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of blame to go around. Uh, they did a really good job containing Kyler Murray early in the game, and ultimately they didn't do it in the second half, right? And, I, again, they were on the field for a long time. The offense started getting cooking for the Cardinals. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury went and made some adjustments. They went for it on fourth down multiple times. There was a lot that went into the success of what the Cardinals did, but Ultimately, the Raiders just didn't do enough on their end to win that game, and so they sit at 0-2. Right now, as we're watching the game from the underground lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino, the Buffalo Bills have just gotten into the end zone. So they're up on the Tennessee Titans 7-0. Uh, it's early in the game, though, so there's a lot of time for anything to happen. But we'll have both games on here this evening. Of course, there's $2 beers 24-7 available here at the Oyo uh, the Hotel and Casino. So come on by, hang out with us. We got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. 4.32 is the time. When we come back, we'll hear from Jermaine Illuminor in the locker room post-game following the loss. And Jermaine Illuminor is always a guy that has plenty to say and, and, and is very detailed in his answers. So we'll hear that as well coming up next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Inside the Underground Lounge is where we're at right now. Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're hanging out. Monday Night Football action. There's two games going on this evening. Right now, Buffalo is on top of the Tennessee Titans 7-0 early in the game. 
And then later on, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings will square up. You want to watch those games, this is the place to do it. Got great drink specials, food specials, plenty of great TVs to check out all the action. This is the place to be. And we got a bunch of prizes that we have and we're giving out, including some uh, Hooter calendars, Hooter Girl calendars. We got this uh, Hazy IPA with this uh, Raiders. It's the official craft beer of the Raiders so we have that available for you got some t-shirts available for you got a lot of good stuff all you got to do is come on by and hang out with us uh, we'll be here for quite a while so uh, this is the spot to be again the underground lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino on the Sam and Ash text line 69187 keyword r for Vegas Pete he said I adopted a policy a few years ago that might help some playoffs excluded where I'll be upset for a few hours after I lost and I let it go I didn't play didn't coach I wasn't even in the building it's a good idea for life let stuff go, especially if you can't change it. What other changes a player with good hands? What are the chances a player with good hands fumbles two downs in a row? A million to one? Oh, well, there will be 16 teams this week where fans will be shaking their heads. LOL. That's for Vegas Pete. So he's talking about be upset about the loss and then let it go. Shake it off and let it go. And I try to do that too, Vegas Pete. I really have been – I'm really a lot more chill than I used to be. I used to actually let these things bother me. But life happens, and so life is not these football games. At least for me, they're not. So – I'm able to really kind of let them go, but I understand for fans that travel and come to town and spend the money on the hotels and spend the money on concessions and spend the money on jerseys and do this, that, and the other, and your team is winning 20 to nothing, and then all of a sudden they find a way to collapse. That's a gut, that's a gut punch, you know? So that, that one might be a little bit a little harder to, to get over. As I was walking around Allegiant Stadium, the parking lot, before the game, I was at the tailgates, and everyone was out there having a great time, tailgating, partying, doing it up real big. And then for them to go in, see the game, and then be celebrating. Nelly go out there and perform. You know, he's doing it real big. Everyone's fired up and excited. And then all of a sudden they ultimately lose. It's like, well, that sucks. <laughs> right? So I, I get it. Uh, you, you got a great policy. And if you can stick to that, that's a good thing. But I understand when it comes to, you know, some fans just, just really, like I said, kicking them in their gut. When it comes to a loss like that, let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy, Raider Debater. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Chew, what's happening with you, man? Demond, thank you. Thank you for my time, man. I'm about to unleash. Uh, I, I'm going to try to go as fast as I can, man, but I'm, I'm, I'm more mad off Raider fans than anything. It's an embarrassing loss, man, but yeah. I had the team going two and three to start off anyway, and I was struggling anyway with the new coaching staff. And the whole thing, and I still predicted them to go 10-7. and seven. Okay. So I think we all need to chill out and calm down. But if we want to go lion share, let's go lion share. But what I'm not here for today, I'm not taking any D.C. slander today. I'm, I've been listening to callers, and people want to place the blame on D.C., that's fine. But I'm not having it, and I'm not doing having it on my watch, man. If you want to say McDaniels mismanaged the game, I'm for that. If you want to say Patrick Graham's D gave up 23 points in the second half, which is horrible, I'm with that. Where was the pressure at in the second half? Where was Walt? Uh, not Waldo. I mean, where was Chandler Jones at <laughs> in the game? Because I didn't notice him. I seen uh, the Condor doing everything. You know what I mean? Actually, didn't two sacks get called back by defensive penalties? Yep. Defensive penalties. Yep. Did that have anything to do with DC? Why didn't? It, what happens if Rocky Finn intercepts that ball that um, AJ Green bobbles? We're not having this conversation anymore. Three fourth down conversions were completed on that last drive in the Arizona fourth quarter. Two two-point conversions where on one of those conversions on that 25-second runaround for Kyler, they rushed two linemen and had nine others in the, in, in the end zone, and they still couldn't get I mean, It was ridiculous when you see some of the plays on defense. Now, let's go to offense then. 
the running game. Just like you said, Q, I believe that we should have kept running. Why we didn't keep running, I love Josh Jacobs. He's a bull in a China shop. He will blast through people. Had 12 rushes in the first half, only seven in the second. But yeah. I got to be real, and I got to come down his road and criticize him, too. Those seven rushes from second half to overtime, he ran 22 yards. That's 3.1 yards in average. That's not good. He had three runs that was one yard, no gain, and minus four yards. What is D.C. supposed to do then when it's now second and nine, second and ten, second and 14 on, on plays in the second half? That's on D.C.? I don't think so. There was a play in the second half, if you remember. We're in the, end, we're in the, the red zone. He fires a pass to uh, Waller where it, he couldn't have handed to him better. It was a pretty much a touchdown. The DB made a hell of a play, but Waller needs to squeeze that ball. He needs to make that catch for that touchdown. Guess what? We're not having that kind of this conversation today. That's on D.C. also? Come on, man. In overtime, people are talking about, oh, Kyler Murray outplayed D.C. From what I can remember, the Arizona Cardinals turned the ball over in, 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 in the uh, second half. He didn't lead the team down. D.C. made a third-down conversion, a critical one to, to Rinfo that he fumbles. Thank God for uh, Hunter Rinfo. You know what I mean? Like, but then he's not supposed to go to Rinfo again. He's supposed to take his confidence away from him. We're supposed to think that he's supposed to drop that ball. On the second fumble, when Rinfo goes down, he's at the 37. You think Carlson is not going to make a field goal from there? This third down. So where is it with the whole D.C. slander today about that he needed to do more? I think he did not only his best, but he did what he was supposed to do. He, he led the team as best as he could, if you go look at the game again. But at the end of the day, man, it's only two games. We're only 0-2. We're going to struggle in the beginning. Look at the, the back half of the schedule. You know what I mean? It's looking real soft. We still can go 10-7. Thanks a lot for my time, man. Hey, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, appreciate the call. And, yeah, again, like I said, there's a lot of blame to go around. Uh, I look squarely at the offense in the second half and say, just needed a little bit more. And, and what I mean by that is a few more first downs, uh, maybe another score. I mean, just a little bit of something. Uh, the offense, the defense was just on the field way too long for my liking. But that, again, that's just me. And so, you know, there's, there's uh, plenty of blame to go around, and I think everyone has a valid point. So I, I understand where you're coming from, and I definitely appreciate you. Uh, one guy that knows about the game, he played in the game, is Jermaine Illuminor. And myself and Vinny, we had an opportunity to talk to him following the game and really we just kind of started things off talking about if he had ever even seen something like that in a game before that kind of a collapse no not the way that happened i mean that's football so anything was possible you know it all comes down to just executing you know excellent cute excellent nose and just doing what you need to do to win the game and you know they were in it to the last second and every game is going to be a full quarter game it doesn't matter who you are you know you're rarely going to have games where you're blowing people out in the nfl so, you know, you got to execute until the last whistle. So, you know, obviously they did a better job than us with that today. But we get together tomorrow to figure out what we need to do better. You have a lot of football games left. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you make sure that this doesn't kind of, this one of those ones that can maybe yeah. carry over? I think that um, you have to be a short What's the word I'm looking for? Like short memory. Short. Yeah, but after short. Yep. Yeah, damn. Short -term memory. memory. Yeah. Short-term memory. Like you know, you, you can be pissed about it today, but as soon as you wake up tomorrow, it's a brand new day, it's a brand new week, and it's a brand new game week. You know, if you let that linger on for the next week, or you let that linger on for more than like one week, then you know, by the time you look up, you'll be 0 and 4. You know, so you know, like I said, people can just be mad about it today, tomorrow, wake up, on the Tennessee. Are you expecting to see the the the, the right response? I think so. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know when it was, but, you know, before 
like before the game, I was just, you know, scrolling through Twitter and I saw a crazy stat saying when um, I think it was Tom Brady's first year, he started 0-2 and, you know, look what happened with that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not making any, you know, predictions or anything, but I'm saying that we can use that as, you know, a tool for us because it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. Quoting Ricky Bobby from, you know, Tyler the Knights, not how you start, it's how you finish. Um, so, you know, like I said, we'll let this make us mad, but it will fuel us from next week going into Tennessee because every game in the NFL is huge. And like I said, if you let one game linger on, then you'll drop more. How difficult is it to go into the locker room with a big lead and come out with that same fire, you know, and, and be able to trust, just put a team away? I think that you have to have the mindset of, uh, you know, it's what, it was 17, we're 17 up at the halftime? 20, 20, yeah. 20 up? Yeah, 0-0. Yeah, zero, zero. Like, I don't think you can be complacent with any type of scoring a lead because Kyler Murray's back there. Right. You know, they have a great offensive line. They have a great defense. J.J. Watson on the side. You know, Buda Baker, they have great players. And, you know, like I said, you have to be, you have to have the mind thought of, oh, it's 0-0. Right, zero, zero. If, if you think it's 20 nothing, we're good, mm-hmm. then, I mean, you know, look. And I'm not saying people got complacent, right. but I think that, you know, we need to do more as a unit, as a offense, and as a defense to shut games out like that, you know. Mm-hmm. How quickly can you uh, just clear this one and, and, and get back to it so you don't... Like, I'm already on the tennis team. Already? Like, I'm already, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm a little frustrated by it, mm-hmm. but I'm going on year six now, you right. know. Guys like Dylan, there, you know, some of the young guys, I'm sure they're going to let, they're gonna let it beat them up a little bit. I'm going to make sure that they're ready to go by tomorrow because, you know, it's another huge game against another great D-line. Right. We have great D-lines damn near every single week, so if you let one loss linger, if you let one, I mean, you know, one win, you know, make you cocky or, mm-hmm. you know, not humble, then it'll be a rude awakening. So, you know, I think that it sucks losing two games in a row like this, but right. we've seen what we're capable of, you know, with the Chargers coming back in the game, even though we didn't have our best game. This game being 20 up at halftime. Yeah. You know, we still need to learn how to shut out and, like, shut games out and just do our thing, you know. So I think we'll be good going into this week. Appreciate you. No Thank you. There he goes. That's Raider offensive lineman Jermaine Illuminor right there, and you heard him say, I'm already on to Tennessee. Speaking of Tennessee, they just tied up the game against uh, Buffalo. Derrick Henry with a nice little run play to get in the end zone. The Titans scoring drive, nine plays, 75 yards, eight up three minutes and 44 seconds. Tied up at seven for Monday Night Football. Game one, 523 left in the first quarter. Right now, the place to be is the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We have a lot of prizes for you. We're here every Monday night. This is our spot. We hang out. Uh, my man Vegas Jess just rolled in the building, so you know that mayhem is about to happen when Vegas Jess is here, so you definitely need to come on out, hang out with us, get hooked up with some of the prizes that we have here for you, plus enjoy some great food and drink specials again at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. 447, that's the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back, close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 449 is the time. Got a few minutes left here in the show. We're going to be here, though. We're going to stick around and hang out at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. So definitely encourage you to come on by. We're going to be here hooking up prizes. I got a lot of stuff to give out, and I'll give that out as soon as the show is over. But got a couple of different... Uh, locker room interviews that I wanted you to hear and one I was not involved with at all this was Foster Moreau and Vinny Bonsignor I thought this was some really good stuff Vinny uh, did a fantastic job talking to Foster Foster's always one of those guys that you want to hear from because he doesn't give you a BS answer but he'll give you he'll give you details and he'll put he'll put his emotions into it good bad or ugly so here's Vinny following the game 
with Raiders tight end Foster Moreau. You know, obviously there's a ton of football still left to play, but what becomes the message right now just to make sure that this thing just stays right here and doesn't kind of linger and continue? You know, um, I think the message is wins are wins, losses are losses, and no one's going to feel bad for you no matter how the cookie crumbles. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, I think that's going to be our message going into the week. Um, and if we come in tomorrow feeling sorry for ourselves, um, well, we'll loss. You mentioned that a loss is a loss. Um, I guess it doesn't matter how it comes about, but in a kind of a dramatic fashion that this one happened, is there any worry that it could, there'd be like a carryover effect or a hangover effect, I should say? I hope not. Yeah. You've seen a lot of football. Have you seen anything quite like that? You've been in a lot of football games. So. Uh, you watch any of our games last year? Yeah, I was there for <laughs> every one of them. Right? Um, Does that help that you've that you've kind of dealt with stuff like that and you know the worst of the worst in some ways and been able to bounce back? You know, at the end of the day, it's it's the same ten minutes in overtime. They have the same opportunity. Really. You know, so. I'd like to I'd like to give you a better answer than that, but it's just it's just so hard. Last one for me. Um, in the second half, you guys were pretty much dictating terms, playing on your terms, and in the second half, offensively, kind of maybe got away from you guys. Anything that you could put your finger on on why that was the case? Uh, honestly, no. Honestly, no. Yeah, I, especially not seeing the film. And to be honest, it, it wouldn't really be my place. You know, it, I mean, my job's my job, right? So. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's all good. I, yeah, it sounds like a yeah, it sounds like a BS answer, but it's, it's no, just I, the, it's I, just I get the it. Truth. I'm sorry. Is it just how football goes sometimes? Um, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess. That's yeah. I love it. I love it right there. I mean, you can hear it even in the long pauses between Vinny and Foster. You could tell how much that meant, and Foster had a lots of words at times, and he was very understandable hey i'm not trying to give you a bs answer but you know i i don't i don't know you know some of the and you've heard that you heard that from josh jacobs earlier he said it's above my head which means that's not you know i can't give you that answer you got to get that answer from coach i could just hear i don't know about you i can hear the emotions in foster's voice when he's talking to Vinny there and i thought Vinny did a great job like hey no you're good you know like i'm not trying to take anything and, and even foster saying did, did you see any of our games last year Vinny said yeah How's that them all? Yeah, they were all. And this is something that a lot of people throughout the course of the summer, when we all talked about, well, the Raiders are a 10-win team. They went to the playoffs. Why do people have them winning seven games, six games, whatever the case may be, nine games, according to uh, you know our friends here in Vegas. And a lot of people that came on the show said, well, look at all the walk-offs that they had last year. Look at all the wins that they had in dramatic fashion over time. You can't predict that. You can't say that that's going to keep up. So this time they had an overtime game, and all of Raider Nation, including myself, were expecting the Raiders to pull them off because that's what they do. Well, they lost in overtime. It feels a whole hell of a lot different, don't it? Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to a guy that was here, and now he's on there. And talking about he was here, now he's on the phone. Vice Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Thank you, Q, for taking the call. You know me, I'm out and about. I'm not 
kind of mislead. I'm not in agreement with that, but I'll do something short. I something like that. I gotta say this: if it's truly on Coach McDaniel's, he should take the lap Wednesday at practice 18. It was on me. I'm gonna show you how much a leader I am. I'm taking a lap before you take a lap, guys. You know, for all those who made mistakes and penalties. Also, too, Raiders fans, come you gotta come out to the Saturday every home game to uh, you know Tuscany. It was family there. It was great people. Fabian, Fargo Raider there. You know, all the people were there. We had a great time. And also, too. Stop acting like your fallopian tubes got blown out. It's only two games. Like I said, it's a long season. We do crazy, incredible things. And like I've talked with many other Raider fans, positive thinking goes a long way. Have faith in the team, have belief, and it'll go a long way. Look at the last four games last year they got in the playoffs. So that's all I got to say. I got to take a handle my business, too. You know, I got to do my stuff. But good seeing you out the Oreo. Everyone, you have a great show. Take care. There he goes, Vice Raider, doing Vice Raider-type things out and about around the town. So good stuff, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, 4.54 is the time. DeMond, you want to uh, go over a couple of texts? I don't think we have time to get in Nate Hobbs. And still, let me go over a couple of texts. Uh, 925 Texas says, definitely will be a hangover with the distraught answers. Uh, he's talking about what he heard from uh, Foster Moreau. Yeah, I mean, but that was the thing. That was immediately after the game. Remember, I mean, we're playing it a, a, a day later, right, 24 hours later. So it might be a little different right now. But immediately afterwards, and that's why it's tough sometimes in the locker room, you think these guys want to talk to us after they just took that L? But that's why I give credit to guys like Foster Moreau. I give credit to Amik Robertson. I give credit to Divine Diablo, Jermaine Illuminor, Josh Jacobs, all the guys that talked to us following the game and, you know, heard Jonathan Abram while we were talking to Meek Robertson get a little bit angry, but that's, again, that's emotions. These guys are emotional, man. They put everything. They put their heart into winning these games, and to come up short, man, it hurts. Got another text from the 925. 11% of teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs. Got another text from the 925. 925 is busy. What about Josh Jacobs? No comment. Pretty much when he felt he should have got the ball that last late, that last drive. Yeah. Josh Jacobs, you know, he, he let it be known. Like I said, he tells you a lot without telling you a lot. Let you know exactly what he's thinking. One more quick text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Not sugarcoating it. Just think everyone else's loss was awful. Just like everyone else think yesterday's loss was awful. It left a bitter taste, but you know what? I'm over it already. Week three versus Tennessee. And it's a lot longer text than that, but I don't have enough time to get to it. So that's why I'm going to leave it at that. Come on out to the OEO. Hang out with us, man. We're going to be here till at least six, probably later than that. Just come on out. Drinks, food, and a lot of great action on the Monday Night Football team game. The Titans and the Buffalo Bills are knotted up at seven. We'll talk tomorrow. It's Radio 920.